1: Welcome back to Blaster Cannon. It's been a long, long time, my friends, and it feels good to get back behind the microphone with, alongside, my good friend, Megan. Megan? Hey, welcome back. Yes, yes, welcome back. And unfortunately, we are without Saf today. She could not make it. We are all very, very, very sad. Um, she wishes she could make it today, um, but the good news is she's on multiple podcasts for uh, you can listen to for her Rogue One thoughts. One on Toshi Station, I think that's out right now. Um, for one for Far Far Away Radio, which I think will be out soon, and then also another, another one, Radio Free Tatooine, uh, which I don't, I'm not sure if that's out yet. But if you uh, go ahead and Google those, I'm sure, or look for them on iTunes, download them, support them because they're, they're all awesome podcasts. They will appreciate it, and Saf will appreciate it. And we, the three of us, will record soon. We promise. It's, it just something's, it, Things are going down, so it's hard for us to kind of make it all together, but it will happen soon.
0: But... Okay. And if you're coming in now and haven't checked out our previous episodes, Saf is on them and we talk about Star Wars. Yes. And you and, should check them out. Yes.
1: And Saf is obviously one of our good friends and our co hosts, and we miss her and we miss you, Saf. Uh, you can also hear Saf and Megan, this lovely lady here, uh, on Western Reaches. So if you if you weren't in, if you're, if you're in, living in a barn and you haven't heard of Saf, And you have no idea who she is. I suggest listening to all the Western Reaches podcast because they're great. And both of these ladies are very talented and smart and way smarter than me. So – Yes, listen to them. Um, but man, we have a new film to talk about—a new Star Wars film and blaster cannon. We kind of, you know, we go above, you know, we we typically do with like novels and and uh, things away from the films. But uh, we wanted to really do a episode uh, where we focus on this film because we love Star Wars. We're, the reason we talk about the side stuff of Star Wars is because we love Star Wars, and so. You know, Megan. uh, I know me and you. We we have a lot. We have a lot to talk about this movie. And I'm going to give you the 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 floor first because more talented and uh, beautiful people go first. So. Please tell us your thoughts on I'm being serious. Uh your <laughs> thoughts on uh Rogue One. What I mean, and first of all, I I actually, actually what I liked for you to see what were your expectations going in? Cause as we all know, the reshoots were a, a factor for a lot of people. I'll get into my opinion of that after yours, but you know what? Are, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if
0: they were a factor for a lot of people. The reshoots weren't really a factor for me. Okay. But that's – we can we can talk about that.
1: Okay. But, I um, mean, I think I, they were, I don't think they were necessarily a factor for – I mean, okay, a, a number of people. A lot of people, I would say a number of people. And I was included in that. I think I was – I guess I was just uh, – I was cautiously optimistic about the film. And I think a lot of – I think that would match a number of people. I don't know if you were one of them. Were you? Yeah. Okay.
0: So that speaks to when I came out of this film, I was definitely in – you know, having conversations with friends. And one of the things that came up was – The editing and was, oh, where could more scenes have been dropped in? And a lot of things from the trailers were not in the movie. And that discussion of sort of this, this movie did feel sort of remixed at times. But the reshoot news wasn't really on my radar. I figure movies go through reshoots all the time. But I think the bigger concern and the thing that I went – the expectation that I went in was would it be a good story? Would it be a, a story that cohered really well? And I think it did in general. Um Oh, so we are going to go right into spoilers, oh, right? Oh, yes, yes. I'm going to
1: right off of Oh, Spoiler so. alert. If you haven't seen the movie and if you're weird and you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, I have no idea why you <laughs> you're were doing weird. that. We're
0: yeah. not judging you. Don't I'm worry. Not ju- but I mean, don't
1: listen to this. But it is it – is, I mean, come on. It would be kind of strange if you were listening to a podcast and you haven't watched the movie. It's, I don't know it's kind of strange. If you yeah, Sometimes people do it. Sometimes spoilers make things
0: more interesting. Sometimes you want to know the spoiler before you go in. You know what? I feel like that.
1: I'm not going to You know what? You know what? I can't argue that logic. You know, I you're right. I don't <laughs> want to judge anyone who wants to listen to spoiler podcasts But either way, go see the movie, please. Anyway, Megan, continue, please. <laughs>
0: um so expectations. I I I did want a dark story out of this. So I had written before it came out that I really like stories of doomed teams. Halo Reach is one of my favorite video games. I like that story where you kind of know everyone's gonna die when you go into it. And that's the spoiler warning, by the way, everyone dies. Um, so this was gonna be that. And on the first watch, I I liked it. It was surprising. Um, It was really dark, which especially in the sort of turbulent political times that we're in, may or may not be comfortable for people. And I think we should talk about how the tone is so different from the tone of the original trilogy. But I did like it. I don't mind the ending at all. Um, On the rewatch, I was really careful to see whether there were any sort of foreshadowing or things that were enriched by knowing what was coming because like in reach you know the end before you start it and that's part of what i like about it that you can get so much characterization and so much foreshadowing and atmosphere from that i don't know that rogue one captured that atmosphere as much it it felt pretty much the same on the second watch um paul did you did you have that expectation that it was going to be so dark and was it subverted or
1: or was it what do you expect it well it, it's funny you say that because i you know i was never critical necessarily of like i thought it was going to suck for the reshoots um i kind of expected it to be a little grittier whatever that means i mean these broad terms and descriptions I mean, it's so brutal sometimes like for people like us we can say that and we get an idea a little bit but there's not i mean how would you describe gritty is like I mean, it's so subjective, you know what I mean? Like some someone saying gritty could be like not even close to being – I don't know. It's it's so hard. Yeah, so, like
0: this is dark, but it's not It's not R-rated for it, one thing. It, yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, so it's all subjective. So just for those who are wondering what I mean by gritty, I don't even know, so I apologize. <laughs> um, no, I was expecting a more just kind of uh, – a little more war-ish kind of film. With, with the saga films, they're more of the fairy tales, right? They're more of the traditional storytelling, and, uh, you know, they're going to focus on the more, like, general parts of what's going on in the in the greater Star Wars universe. Now, the standalones or as I like to call them the one shots, if you will, um, they can really dive deeper into stories and into what 's going on in the galaxy and, and sometimes what 's going on in the galaxy is very fascinating because of what it can parallel with real life and also just the fact that it 's you know in, in you know going back to history so uh, I came into rogue one thinking i didn 't really know what to expect. And I was very intrigued how it was it was going to perform. I think financially and critically. And I, I mean, of course, I, I'm always fascinated with what, if uh, Star Wars does financially financially or critically or Marvel films because I'm a huge fan of both. But i I guess i I was really fascinated because I felt with rogue one, there were so many expectations of being the first standalone movie. What was going to happen? And I was, I was cautious, cautiously optimistic. Once I started hearing about rumors of 40% of the movie being, you know, done, re, you know, tons and tons of rewrites and people, you had lots of smug people coming in being like, don't you know that so many other movies get reshoots? So oh, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like I'm not I'm, okay. I get that big films have reshoots. I get that. I'm not, I'm not ambivalent enough to be like, Oh yeah, I have no idea. It's so weird. No, no, I get it. Reshoots are a huge thing for these films. It was the amount of reshoots and the rumors we were getting that would made me very nervous. Now, um, so going into it, I was like – I was really afraid it was going to be a cluttered mess because whenever you start rewriting a ton of the movie that's already been like 70%, 60% done and you're rewriting a good chunk of it, that makes me nervous. I mean I don't care what or who's doing it. I mean that makes me nervous. That means they saw something, they kind of flipped out about it, and they went back and they changed something. And those things usually make me go – I usually don't won't like that. It usually means it's going to be – in my opinion, just probably be a mess story-wise, and maybe just nice visually. So, I guess my expectations were just cautiously optimistic, but almost a little lower, maybe? I don't know. I guess you could say they were lower, but... I was still excited for this movie. It was Star Wars, right? Um, I, for me, I don't know about you, Megan. Uh, I avoided most of the trailers. I saw the main trailers, a couple, you know. And after that, I, I, I stayed spoiler free. I didn't yeah. watch. I didn't watch the international trailers or those. T- if a TV spot came on, and closed my eyes and sang out loud so I wouldn't have to hear anything. <laughs>
0: I watched most of them. When the TV spots started, when we got like 24 of them and they started getting repetitive, I stopped. But that was just really because they were showing a lot of the same footage. I was, I mean, I sort of have to 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 keep up on the news, but I was fine with watching them.
1: Yeah, so... So I was I I I came in very clean. And in fact and, and for those for who don't know, I spoiled myself rotten with the Force Awakens. I just couldn't help it. And I will probably never do that again. So
0: <laughs> We were like opposite on those because I was really careful with Force Awakens.
1: Well, you were smart. You were smart. Well, no, actually, I, I take it back. I actually really liked the fact that I knew what to expect because I think I would have been upset about certain things, um, which that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. So I'm, I'm not going to get into that. So with Rogue One, I went into it and um, I went with my brother which I, I've gone to every uh, Star Wars movie in the film in the theater with my brother at one, at one way or another. Uh, I saw the re-releases with my brother. Um, opening day, I saw this, all the prequel films opening night at midnight with my brother. I saw episode seven at seven o'clock on Thursday with my brother and his family, and it was very stressful, but that's another story. And I saw Rogue One with my brother and a friend of mine from work. So I it's very special for me to go to the Star Wars films and enjoy them with my brother. And I saw my brother a lot. I apologize. <laughs> and anyway, um, have you seen it once rogue one so far? Well, Let me get into that. Okay. So I went in and watched it once and I came out just in love with this movie. I was, I mean, I was literally blown away by rogue one and I could not stop thinking about it. And now with, Episode seven, things like that. We'll get into my reactions for that to kind of, kind of, you know, compare contrast what I thought. But Rogue One, I came out just beaming and just like I literally called it a roller coaster ride um, because it was just like I was just going up and down in a good way where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm calmed down for a little bit, but the emotions of everything of coming down from those things, like you know, of action scenes action scenes and emotional scenes um, was really compelling. I was just really amazed at how well it was put together and all my fears of, and and just my cautious optimism was rewarded because I felt they crafted a really tight story. That was really, like, it was really well put together. Mm -hmm. I was so the pacing really worked for you. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I, I went, I went there, I watched it and I, you know, I I could not stop thinking about it, I, and I already had tickets to see it the next day in the same theater um, with, nice. with, with with my friends with my friends. It was a signed seating, so which that was nice. And um, I loved it again. And I watched it Sunday with my wife and Morgan, who uh, my wife says that all Star Wars movies are boring. Um, loved Rogue One. She loved I do it. sort
0: of love that.
1: I know she she liked TFA. She liked the Force Awakens. But she said she saw it too much with me, which I was, that was was that was that was true. <laughs> I, I made her see. I made her go three times in the theater with me to see The Force Awakens, and she said she liked it, but. She probably won't ever have to see it again. She said. But was it
0: the grittiness that she liked in Rogue One or something else?
1: What she liked about Rogue One, and I and I, and I think I see what she's coming from because she she's a little younger than me. She's four years younger than I am, and she just didn't really care for the Star Wars films growing up. She just thought they were all boring and whatever. Rogue One is a is a is gritty. It's real. The emotions are there. Um, I think the fact that everyone died and there was no romance she loved that because you know it's so typical like my my, my, my wife is not in a romance like that's not who she is and so she likes you know independent films, art films, and getting her to these movies without criticizing them like the entire time is very difficult. that's why I'm always like very cautious to bring her to these things, but, but she knows how much I love star Wars. So, I mean, she's a good wife and wants to go and she loved it. And she said, it's because it was real. It was fun. It was funny action. It it felt like it was grit. She was entertained. She said at the very end, she understands why I love star Wars now. Like, oh wow! Yeah, that's so,
0: interesting. Yeah, so, I feel like that
1: that speaks to it as like it felt maybe more modern to her. Yeah, and I think that I think that ultimately is is what it did. It, it brought Star Wars up to like a kind of a current level. I mean, you watch A New Hope; it's very much a '70s film, but it's still amazing. But it's just it's it's from the '70s, and you watch Empires from the '80s. It's like I never knew how much they were their they were of their age until I got much 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 older, like five years ago. Where I'm like, man. I get it now. These are really old films. They're not... It's hard to see them as old films when you're so used to them. Like, they just look
0: eternal to me. and,
1: And that's the thing, though. These films are eternal. And even the prequels, in my opinion, are eternal. They still look great. I still think Revenge of the Sith holds up compared to most CGI out there now. It looks amazing. And I think it's... Don't even get me started about Revenge of the Sith. I'll talk for days on it. Um, <laughs> I thought
0: it looked all right. It's a good story, though. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. I think I Rogue One was, in my opinion, amazing. It was literally one of my. It could be one of my favorite Star Wars films, like top three. I know a lot of people are not really into rankings, and they think it's you know it's all Star Wars. But
0: <laughs> I'm it, not really into ranking with this.
1: But but you know what? I, I will say this. I, I loved it, and we'll get deeper into it, but. Uh, well, I mean, I think I, I don't know if I got your final tally of if you loved it or not, liked it or thought it was okay. What are your thoughts, Megan? Well, I, I liked it, and it's
0: interesting that you bring up the Force Awakens and the, the tone because I think that's an important part of why I liked it to the degree that I did. That um, it was well done. The editing in some places was much better than TFA. Some of the fight scenes were shot better, even if they weren't necessarily choreographed better, um, which I think. A lot of them were. We're going to talk about Donnie yet a lot, I'm sure. So I enjoyed that. Um, the The big difference, I think, comes in the delivery of some lines. and both movies, talk about hope. Jin says rebellions are built on hope, and Poe says when when there's light, there's hope. I might not be quoting that directly, but you know the one at the end. <laughs> and. Pose is very, like, gung-ho and kind of happy-go-lucky, whereas Jin's is very serious, and she's almost alone in her mission at that point, and the, the tone difference is small, but it's there. I think TFA was much more colorful, like, palette-wise, um, and it was a little lighter, and that's okay. I think Rogue One shows the variety that Star Wars spin-off mm. films can have, because... The next spinoff we're getting is the Han Solo movie by the guys who did the Lego movie. It's going to be... Funny. Presumably, if not an outright slapstick comedy, it's going to be primarily funny. Um, whereas this one is primarily dark, and we're going to get to mm. see a variety. That really makes me wonder what the third standalone movie is going to be <laughs> if those two are at those extremes. Which the the Han movie we don't know enough about yet, but it, right. it might be at the other end of the extreme. You know, um, it's hard for me to rank them because, like, I don't. Ranking the standalone films with the saga just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't really know why. But I do think that Rogue One has less rewatchability than the others for whoa, me
1: personally. Whoa! Whoa! Mm-hmm. Oh, wow.
0: And not necessarily because of any skill involved. I think okay. um, it's really well put together, but it's just very dark and wow. some of the character development didn't quite work for me, Really, but mm-hmm. like, I don't have the great desire to see this nine times in theaters. Like I did TFA. I feel like I've seen it. I understand it. And I'm not going to get a lot out of a rewatch.
1: Mm-hmm. It's funny you say character development, because I think I saw someone on Twitter say this and I'm not going to take credit for it, but I will, I'm going to bring it up. Because I think it's a great point is that these characters already kind of came developed. And I think that that's kind – of, I like that. I like the fact that we could get in and it was story-driven more than character-driven. And um, and, that, and that speaks to our different tastes, right? So, like, one well, of I – Well, it's funny you say that because I generally consider myself a, a really person that
0: likes story-driven oh, okay, stories. Okay. But I also think that if you don't have – but, like, I like plot-driven stuff, but I always talk about the characters. So, gotcha. you know, your mileage may vary.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. Like, I thought TFA – like I, I keep saying TFA, I just say The Force Awakens. I'm so used to th- thinking of like social media terms, like you know, in Twitter and like different you know short mar- short amount of characters. So I apologize. <laughs> I always say
0: TFA. Okay. Loud. you can't
1: really do that with Rogue One though. R O, yeah, rough. it's weird. It's it, yeah. yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty <laughs> simple. Uh, no, The Force Awakens. My biggest criticism of is that I think the story was not very good, but the characters were great. So that like you know it but it, it's almost like the exact opposite with this movie and I but I love the characters still um the story is great you
0: I know? agree that it's the opposite
1: right but like but the thing is I love the characters like okay we'll talk about Jen here and I, and and she probably uh, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I love almost, I, I think about, I almost said she was my favorite character, but like, I loved all of them almost equally a lot. So I'm like, <laughs> ah. but Jen, I, I will say this. I think Felicity Jones' portrayal of Jen was so good. It was, I think it's underrated. How good. Yeah, it was,
0: it was. really good.
1: Um, and she got me emotional a couple times. Like, the scene where she's talking, or, she, or she's not talking, but she's she's listening to her father mm-hmm. with her surrogate father right next to her was such a ah. powerful moment. I mean, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it was, it was powerful, and and you know, I it just it hits. I've seen it three times, and it hits me in the gut like every time. Like I, I mean. And I'm an emotional guy. I I get I, I'm in tune with my emotions. I get teary eyed here and there. And I didn't get necessarily teary eyed, but I could feel my 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 arms feeling like weaker, like like they're, they're getting sad. Oh, a lot, you know. And, and that's the thing. It was Felicity Jones says so much with her face, and it's like, and it's so real. And that is, I mean, to you know to Im- to give emotion on your face without saying something. So difficult. I mean, I can't even imagine what actors have to go through to get themselves in these moments. I mean, it's like it's rough. And I think Felicity Jones is generous. So I'm not sure if it was the reshoots or what, but it doesn't matter because she nailed the performance. Uh, you know and like and like you said like the these characters are already fully formed they don't they don't really go through a big character journey but i love the fact that she's just like she's battle hardened and she's sad and she's bitter and she gets hope and that's what drives her. And that drive I this I love that about her is that like she's willing to sacrifice everything for the greater cause and because she's she's spent most of her life pretty much like with no what's the word? No direction, you know. Mm-hmm. So and when she did, like her surrogate father leaves her and like, you know, lets her figure it out. I mean she has she has no development to give because she has no direction. And she finally has direction. So that scene with Saw was so good. Oh so good.
0: She was really expressive. And like you can see that moment where she decides that she's gonna take Galen's death and use it. She's not gonna run back to whatever life she had before partially because she can't but also because she's just not going to do that anymore she's going to like forge her grief into into hope mm-hmm. and i really liked that moment i thought she had she was really expressive she had a really good range it wasn't difficult for me to identify with her mm-hmm. Um, she had that sort of Han Solo background, where you know she's done bad things and mm-hmm. she's been she's been through a lot that we never see as the audience. But I never had trouble identifying with her because she could do she could do a lot at once. Like she could be nervous and sort of paranoid, but brave at the same time, and all that would come across clearly.
1: Well, it's it's funny because you talk about you know she she's clearly done things she's that aren't good and you and we get that and I, this is a a testament to the film because you start off with her being in a imperial like prison and being tra- you know in be, being used for labor for slave labor and like th- so you know she's done something like kind of probably bad and you know so you you don't you tell so much about the character without having to like hit everyone over the head with it it, that's what I love about it. Like we don't have to like spend time with exposition all day. I mean obviously there's exposition in the film that talks about – these are action films. They always have, to, always have to have exposition. But I felt like the movie told us a lot without saying a lot, you know, without having to –
0: Yeah. Which and I,
1: she's, I love that. She,
0: She's in an imperial prison, but clearly she's not with the rebels either. Like, exactly. she's not, we don't know what exactly landed her in there, but it wasn't pure political idealism. Right. And there's very few characters that have pure political idealism in this movie. Yeah, well, you know, which, it, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, we could talk about that, about how... And I think a lot has already been written about this, about how the Rebellion and the Empire aren't really black and white anymore. The Rebellion mm. clearly condones or does sort of terrible things. And actually, that brings us right into the discussion of Cassian. Oh, yeah. Which I didn't think his arc worked super well, or at least I didn't think it cohered with the rest of the movie super well. Um, because he is introduced as again like Jin someone who doesn't do great things and then we're sort of asked to identify with him and asked to forgive him when he almost kills Galen but i just i wasn't super interested in that story i was sort of like okay let's let's move on past Cassian's decision and get on to Jin's decision and they both make a decision in quick succession right. but i thought those two plots didn't always work Together, they they pushed and pulled each other a little bit.
1: What did you think? Well, it's funny you bring that up because uh, I I apologize for people who want who get irritated that I bring up my wife a lot because you know the third viewing really. It made me go, hmm. It, it kind of saw it through different eyes a little bit. She was really compelled by the the, the two different um, Jin and Cassian's kind of connection to Galen, and, she, and that really played on her emotions a little bit, which I was not expecting to be quite honest. And it worked for me. Like I, I I'll be honest. Like I don't really have very much to complain about this film. Um, I I bought into the fact that Cassian is a good soldier. He's going to do what he needs to do and he evidently you know the fact he, he kills the you know the crippled guy in the very beginning of the movie um is a huge like like I, they do a brilliant job showing us like you know purposely Let's show everyone that, one, the Rebellion isn't exactly this, like, clean, white as snow, uh, you know, organization. This is, <laughs> They're not all farm boys. Yeah, they're not all Luke Skywalker's, like, you know, who are, like, <laughs> wide-eyed and, like, talk about their T-16s and blasting womp rats. Like, this is, like – this guy has been in the war for – he obviously lost his parents at a young age. He obviously grew up in the Rebellion. Um, I'm assuming his parents were killed by the Empire. Oh, that's
0: actually – in the uh, the oh. visual guide, it's taken me twenty six minutes to get to books. By the way, oh, that's some kind of that's record.
1: That is a record.
0: Um, <laughs> in the ultimate visual guide, it reveals that Cassian was actually fighting the Republic on the side of the Confederacy for a while. Oh. Um, when he was he was really young. He was involved in like Clone
1: Wars era stuff.
0: We don't know what exactly happened to his parents.
1: He must well he must have been well because he's probably in his what late thirties, right?
0: Um, I don't know the exact number that was in the book too, but I don't have it in front of me. I don't,
1: I don't have the book yet. I'm going to have it soon, hopefully for Christmas. And I would
0: say late twenties,
1: early thirties. There's maybe? no way he's late twenties. He looks a little no? older than that. I'm, I'm 34. you think he's that he, much older than yeah, yeah. A little bit. Um, huh. I mean, I'd say he's probably in his late thirties, but whatever. I I'm mean, gonna look it up. You, you do. Yeah, please. And so, but anyway, um, I just love the fact they did a great job of – again, another great job of showing us that this rebellion isn't exactly what we thought it was necessarily and without having to like him explain it to us on screen like it's it's just right there. And And it drives the story because it sets up the fact that one, it's not a pretty place to always be in the rebellion and two, this guy is assigned to like take people out. Like that's what he does. And um, I like the fact that, like, he was being told take out Galen UrsO, and that, you know, ultimately this this girl and her in her passion, you know, for for her father and what's going on. Like, you know, he just couldn't do it like he just couldn't kill an innocent man. And I don't know, I I, I felt that that was that was appropriate, you know, and it was it it ate at him. I, I like that. And I think that it was cool because, you know, Watching my wife's reaction when he's got Galen in his scopes was really, really cool because she was like she was afraid that he was gonna kill him. I think that, again, that's another reason why I think this movie works so well is that no one was safe. It, we talk about Game of Thrones and that everyone dies and no one is safe. And that's what this movie was to me. It was like you did not know who and when and what was gonna happen when. and that w- the unpredictability of that was so awesome. That I think that that's why people were able to buy in a little bit more to it, like, like people like my wife who aren't necessarily huge Star Wars fans. They were able to be into it and go, "Yes, this is you know this is this is awesome." Like, how is this going to work? I mean, you just don't know. And I think that's what what the standalone films that, that with this kind of film anyway is that you can do that. You can be unpredictable a little bit, and that was so nice. So I guess ca-
0: that kind of goes back to the expectations thing because I expected Cassian to be more of a soldier, mm-hmm. and he's he's really more of a spy. He works with Alliance Intelligence, and he's all about keeping things quiet, and that didn't come across as much when... Well, I didn't expect it, and it didn't come across as much than the first time I watched the movie, the second time I saw it more
1: because I'd read about it. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I don't think... There's only one character which will get that in a second that I think that... that I did not not like him, but I just... Did not care for him that much, but um, but oh, no. no. Oh, Wait, I
0: now I have to know.
1: Oh, uh, see, this is going to make me look feel bad because I, you know, our good friend Justin, who uh, is is a good friend of ours, he was going on and on about uh, not on and on, but he was talking about how Bodie Rook is the heart of Rogue One. And you
0: can't you can't I, I, I'm throw sorry. shade at Bodie Rook. I don't. Can't I'm do not it. throwing
1: shade. I'm not <laughs> throwing shade. He's so important. I just I just didn't I just didn't connect to his character at all. I oh, I man, loved, he was my favorite. I, OK, so this is interesting. So he was my least favorite. And please explain to everyone, including myself, why he is your favorite. <laughs>
0: Please explain to everyone. I feel like I'm like in front of an auditorium. Are, this is my you, dissertation you are, you are on why auditorium. Bodhi Rook is very important. Um, I <laughs> felt that he, for a couple of reasons. So on a purely personal level, I liked that he was very obviously nervous. He wasn't that like super confident, um, kind of solve all the problems hero. He was just a regular guy that ended up tossed into this and decided to do something brave. And he can be nervous and brave at the same time, which is also something that I like about Jin because it's something I like to see in people in the real world as well a lot of people get nervous, a lot of people overcome that nervousness Um, and the other thing was that he was uh, and this is actually something that I've seen bloggers bring up this isn't original to me but he was sort of the Fin in this story, he was the Imperial who lost his brainwashing and escaped and I liked that we saw a good Imperial character or one with an Imperial background who then came in and had to adjust to that. And I, the one thing I do think is that a lot of his, the interesting parts about his story were not in the movie. There were big questions that were raised by what happened to him in Saw's camp. What does he think about the rebellion? And none of those things were ever really discussed. Mm. So that's the the thesis. I think he was <laughs> he was kind of sweet and he was nervous and he showed that there are good people who sometimes end up inside these horrible institutions and then have to realize that they're horrible and have to sort of claw their way out.
1: You know, you bring that up and, and that's a great point. And it's not like I didn't like him. I just didn't connect with him as, as well as ever, as other characters in this film um you you bring up that point that's a really good point uh he is very- he's a little more realistic of, of a guy who's not necessarily just some like badass pilot you know he's just a normal he's almost like the he's he's like the audience in a sense he's very yeah mu- yeah he's very, i felt mm-hmm. i felt that no he's very much normal he's not he's he's in over his head essentially and and, and I, I, I appreciate that aspect of him. Um, what I thought was interesting was that uh, Kathleen Kennedy came out and said that a lot of the reshoots revolved around Bodie Rook Rook's character and reshooting his stuff with him, which is weird because I didn't think he was in the movie that much to begin with. Like,
0: really? Yeah, uh, I didn't hear that. I, I'd be really curious uh, maybe, about which
1: part. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know if I, I thought I, I heard some people talking about about it on Twitter. That I could be Mister. I could be incorrect on that, but I heard that they did a lot of them. You know, shot around uh, his character. Which was interesting. I'm like, huh, it didn't really seem like he was in it that much. Um, I didn't, And like I said, I don't dislike any characters from this movie. Like, honestly, I don't. And I think he's a solid character. I just didn't, like, there's other characters I was emotionally connected to. Like, Jen, emotionally connected to, like, immediately. And Cassian, liked him a lot immediately. And, well, this is like a good segue because we've already talked about these other characters. And Bodhi Rook, you like him. He's your favorite character, right? That's what you said?
0: I think Jin is my favorite character, okay. and he's like my favorite of the rest of the group. I can I can throw out my unpopular opinion if if this oh, is a good time.
1: Oh, I hope. This, oh boy! <laughs> all right, all right. So, Chirrut and Baze, now the the protectors of the Guardians of the Wills, um, who I guess apparently oh. guarded guarded uh, a, a, Ky- Kyber. Kyber?
0: Yes. So hang on. I want to say my unpo- unpopular opinion. Oh,
1: oh, oh. I, was, um, I thought it was about them. That's what I was alluding to. No. Oh. Okay. No,
0: it's not. Okay. I love them, and we should talk about them. Yeah, well, I think we're, all- we're going to talk about Donnie Yen a lot. Yes, we are. Um, my least favorite character is K2. Oh! Oh! And- Yeah. And I do. I feel like I should apologize for that because, like, he's fine. I think he's funny. That's the thing. I laugh at his lines, but I don't get anything beyond the humor. Like he's I I, when I rewatch it, I don't think I'm going to find anything new in his performance, which kind of makes me sad because I love Alan Tudyk. I love the way he performed the character, the way he walks, the scene where he like stabs the other droid in the back of the head was wonderful. But I didn't like latch on to him. So that there, you, there we go.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> no,
0: now it's your turn. Give me your dissertation.
1: <laughs> well, all right. Can I have your attention, please? Um, Megan is wrong, <laughs> and uh, no uh, K two. Uh, the way I look at K two is that he's like the sidekick. He's the ultimate sidekick. Um, he's like the like. I, the droids. This is going to sound kind of bad, but for people who know my association with animals and especially uh, specifically dogs, I love my dogs like my own family. Droids are like dogs of like of like Star Wars, essentially in in a, in a way. Like people compare R two D two as like the family dog, you know. At least I think George did. Um, I look at him as like as like the pets of these, and I know it sounds weird, but but in a way like that's what they are, and like. I think K2 is like like the family dog of like the group there and he protects them. And I guess to me, like his, his Alan Tudyk, what I thought was perfect. His lines were perfect. I'm curious if he improvised them at all. I'm hoping he did. Um, is I thought, I thought the visuals on K2 were amazing. Uh, he looked incredible. Uh, the, the CGI, looks so real. um, I, I love the design. I love the character. Um he he's a one note character, don't get me wrong. I, I don't I think that's a definite a definite like criticism, you could say, but he's a droid. So I mean like they are pretty much one note. They're they're not really meant to necessarily be super like in depth, I guess. And they 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 have depth, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, like he's a one-note character. He's just kind of a quippy you know, badass droid, and I there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, I love it. So, um, you know, I, I think that you know, when you, when I watch the film in context of, of what I watch Star Wars for, um, droids are always a big part of it. People, you know, who know me well will know that I'm a huge three PO and R two D two fan. Like, I grew up loving the droids, and you know, I, I love BB eight. I love. I think I like K two more than BB eight. I, I really liked K two a lot, and. I, I think his sacrifice at the end was really, really awesome. Um, I think it's easy, like it's easy to like you know make a badass sometimes. Like he'll be so badass, he's gonna like you know fire at people without looking. He's gonna like he's super strong. I mean, but I think I think Alan Tudyk gave him a charm that was much needed with that character, especially with the lines he was given. And I felt he was perfect. So I. You know, you can you can say you didn't like him and I can understand why he's he's not. There's not there's no depth with him. but I loved him. So,
0: no, and I understand that. And I think that it's not that I disliked anything about him. It's just if I basically if I had to rank which characters I'd most want to see like an entire movie about or a comic book or something, he wouldn't be high on the list. But it sounds like that sort of one note that side character is exactly what you wanted. And I do think Alan Tudyk did a really good performance. I think, you know, he looked real all the time, and the Imperial droids looked creepy, and I like that about them.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they, they definitely – that's the thing. They looked creepy, but he wasn't creepy. He was just like – I don't know. That's what I love about no, him. Un,
0: unless he wanted to be, unless he was stabbing the other droid in the back of the head.
1: Oh, my gosh. I, this, the The scene – that cracks me up in and again, my wife, like she gasped when that happened was when she shot the security droid. And, <laughs> and, 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 cause I, I, knew it wasn't going to be him and she went, Oh my God. Like she was like, Oh no. Like, cause she, I, she liked it too. I think she liked the droid too. Uh, and then, and then you see him walk behind it and he's like, did you think that was me? Or I forgot what he said, but, um, it was so funny. Th- oh, my god! I
0: think when he smacks Cassian oh, was like – that was one of the, like, harshest things I've seen yes. in Star Wars movie. I wonder if that line was improvised because that was really where I was like, whoa, this is intense.
1: No, no. Yeah, exactly. So I – you know, I, I don't think K2 needs a lot of discussion. I think he's pretty – it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. He was very entertaining. He was a comic relief of the of the film. And, you know – I hate when it, things get formulaic like that sometimes, but this I think he worked really well in this movie, and I think he was great. So, uh, yeah, K2 is, is awesome. Uh, now, I know me and you and, and Saf, when we, were, we kind of reviewed the trailers before for Rogue One, we were really excited about it. Uh, right, the blind yeah. uh, guardian. For we talked. I was talking about about the, them a second ago. They are the guardian. Him and Baze are the guardians of the wills, whatever that means. We don't know. We can speculate. Which is, I could spend an hour speculating on that. Um, you know, guardian. They're supposed to be guarding the Kyber uh, temple or the temple for Kybers, and apparently yes. that is also badass too. But they're not really guarding anything now because the Empire has wiped it out. Um, it is just uh, I. For one, and just like a lot of I think I'm not alone in this, and I think you would agree with me, Saf, is I think <laughs> that not I think definitely. we did, we did not get enough of Sheridan and
0: yeah, I agree. There were two major like discussions that we were having around this, and one was, would Donna yen be awesome, which the question was generally yes, or the answer, and would his force sensitivity or lack thereof? be an issue because I, I know I was very much on the camp of, I want a character to be either force sensitive or not force sensitive. I don't really care for the, like the place in between and I've changed. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've changed because of Pablo Hidalgo has been talking about it a lot on Twitter about how the force influences things in different ways. And I'm okay with it because I think the movie itself, the script and his, his action towed the line very carefully mm-hmm. between making him outright force sensitive and making him just really good at what he does. Cause you see that, um, scene where he's obviously listening you see that he can sense like he can he smells the wind um you can tell that some of it is purely physical and maybe some of it's not and i was okay with that so i'll i'll eat my hat on that one and say Mm That wasn't as much of an argument as I thought it would be for me, an internal argument, I guess.
1: Well, no, because remember remember you and Saf were arguing with me because they said he wasn't like force sensitive necessarily. And Saf was like, you know, we had a group chat and she was saying, you have to let everyone know I was right. And I was like, well, hold on a second now. It's, it's, Wait. I mean, she, it, that's not necessarily so, true either, right? I, mean, I didn't, I didn't go back and and read
0: and see that conversation, but she wanted him to be, she wanted it to show that even though he was disabled, he could still be cool without the use of the force.
1: And I think, and I think yeah. we did do that. No, I, I think, I think just like you summed it up beautifully, Megan. Honestly, you did a beautiful job because. He basically works somewhere in the middle between Force-sensitive and the Force-using him. And I think that is – that's kind of what I got. But I consider that Force-sensitive if the Force can use you, right? I mean that's a
0: really good distinction actually because I don't think I've heard it said in that way before that it's the Force-using someone versus them using the Force. And and – Chirrut said both. He said, I'm with the force and the force is with me. Right. And that helped explain what he did a lot,
1: too. Well, I mean, because I mean, that's that's kind of what I would in, in think about. It's just like he's not he he's not because the force. I mean, he's he's obviously in tune with something. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Because he can, he, he can sense the Kyber off of the necklace. Uh, you know, like he can. Yeah, that was I mean, mysterious. So, I mean, and he can like, because that's the thing. He's, uh, there's something, there's something forced working with Chariot. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to say like, it's not, right? I mean, so... I don't know. well
0: that's, that's my new enlightened answer is that it doesn't actually matter.
1: So no, no, right right I, I think he, I think you said and again I, I say it because what you said because I think he works somewhere between you know there's, yeah. some, there's somewhere between force sensitive and the force using him because that's ultimately what happens at the end of the film like he's trusting the force to not kill him. You know, like when he's going to switch the master switch. So he's just like, I'm going to it's 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 basically like, you know, the Jedi, I guess the Jedi are, you know, he's letting the force like guide him essentially. But he's not necessarily using it like a Jedi knight, you know, like would or whatever, whatever that means. But yeah, it's, it's like a deity is what I'm trying to say. You know, it's like literally like, you know, people believe and have religious beliefs, you know, and I, I have my own. And I'm not going to get into what I believe in right now, but I believe that like God, you know, God will guide us or something like that. And a lot of people believe that God guides us or something guides us above, whatever you believe in. And I think that that's essentially what Donnie Yen is doing. He's believe, he believes that the this, the force is going to guide him, and and the whatever it wills, it will happen. And he knew. The force was going to guide him to, you know, beat the crap out of these stormtroopers. You know, like, he can sense that. Like, like the force. Maybe the force has given him that. I don't know. Like, that's the impression that I got, and I love it. I love the fact that maybe he is, you know, maybe he is force sensitive enough to be a Jedi from, you know, from birth. But he never, you know, he didn't care about doing it. Another thing that I saw online <laughs> from uh, that I will, I don't want to take credit for, was someone said maybe he, this guy like you know didn't want to become a jedi because that's too like uh putting the force in in a box of the jedi is just not practical for him, mm. you know and like um, and i love this i too. have feelings about that <laughs> i know see but see it brings it back to more bring the the force being a religious aspect more than just like this you know thing that makes you makes you a superhero you know what i mean yes. and i think that
0: sort of religious framing is helpful because I wouldn't want to call him a gray Jedi. I wouldn't call him someone that's between the light side and the dark side. But I would say that I think he definitely, you're onto something with that idea that it's the, his faith is important and the fact that the Force exists is the important part. Like, it would exist whether or not he had faith in it, but it does, and he
1: taps into that. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I think that. I think the fact that it's not clear is purposeful, right? Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't, at least, at least in my opinion, do you, I don't think it's clear cut what is going on with him. And that's the point. No. Like,
0: And they've been, they, the, the story group and the various authors and things have been moving more in that direction that it's, it, it's not clear cut. You're not Jedi or Sith or nothing at all. You can be somewhere in between.
1: But see, I, and I like that. I, again, it's bringing back a more, it's, it's, Again, I like the fact the force is not necessarily going to be like uh, I wasn't was going to say neutered, but that sounds really weird. Uh, by the Jedi or the Sith, like it's like the force is so much bigger aspect than all of that. You know, they're called the Guardians of the Wills. For goodness sakes, I mean, like which is cool to see that word brought back. Yeah, back I know. I mean, original original scripts. Now, is that the first time we've ever heard the word "wills" in a film?
0: Um, well, yeah, definitely the first time we've heard it in a film. I don't know if it's the first time we've heard it in the new canon. I'd have to really carefully go back and look. But, yeah, it's the, it's the first time we've heard it in a film.
1: That's – oh, my god. It, it's funny because this movie has brought – like if people want to complain about midi midichlorians and all that stuff and, and whatever. But you're talking about a movie that brings back the spirituality of the force. Oh, my lord. This movie does that in spades, man. I freaking mm, love
0: it. That's
1: a good it. point. I freaking love it. And, you know, and I love the fact, the relationship between Baze and Chirrut, I just love their, their, you know, their, the fact they're so, you know, he protects them and Chirrut relies on him. And it's like, again, like you go back to the using the force, like he says, you know, the force protected me. And he's like, I fool, I protected you. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the whole point. Like the force <laughs> was going to, you know, again, the force is using Baze. I just love that aspect. Like, you know, he's like he's he knows the force is going to help out right. somewhere or another. Like again, it's 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 like an ominous be ominous ominous being it, that the force is, rather than like you know I you know whatever. And that's that's what it seems like anyway. It seems like it's more yeah. of like it's con- you know it's controlling him like like we believe like some people believe that these in certain religions do. It, it's really really cool. So I don't yeah, know.
0: and. Baze and Chirrut had such good back and forth. Like, Baze is always sort of skeptical about some of it sometimes, but he stays because Chirrut is important to him and he wants to protect him. And I was really... I they, Their deaths were probably some of the most affecting stuff in the whole movie because you see how close they are and just, like, it was, it
1: was very sad. Their deaths were... I just... Uh, it was... I mean, I knew it was going to happen. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I thought it was very uh, anticlimactic for Chirrut to go out like that. But it was... but Yeah. And, and this is what I said the other day. I think... No, we talked about this. It was me and you. We mm-hmm. talked about... This is what we talked yeah, about this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I said that I both loved and hated Chirrut's death because... I love it because he's dying with with like you know he's praying to the force you know, and then I also thought it was weird because it's almost very anti climatic what happened. Like I wanted to go down on the blaze of glory a little bit more because he's badass and I want to see him fight. So it was kind of a it was kind of a hard conundrum that I was in. But um, like I felt Beza's death was a lot more like badass because this dude just kept going right you know like yeah he took out all the death troopers how cool is that I mean so I don't know Baze was it's funny because I feel that Chirrut without Baze would still be amazing but I think Baze needed Chirrut to be awesome but I still love Baze does that make sense
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah I like them in different ways they have such different fighting styles I so the deaths they're that like the pacing of that didn't bother me at first. I thought that it was really tense, you know, the first time you're you're you kinda of feeling what's gonna happen, but you're not sure. It was really tense. But then uh, the more I thought about it, the more I agree with you because Donnie Yan is such an accomplished martial artist and he can do so much and we only get two big fight scenes with him, right? We get the one in the very beginning in Jeddah where he uses the staff. We get the one on do a little bit, but that's, he's got a ranged weapon. And then we get that one at the end, and he didn't do as much as he could have at the end. And I guess I just, from a purely out-of-universe perspective, I wanted Donnie Yen to have more of a chance to show off and to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he, his staff gets shot out of his hands and he has to punch people for a while. Like, a longer fight scene there could have been really good.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I, his fight scenes were great. Donnie Yen is an amazing, like, fight in, in films. Like, if you see the Ip Man movie, I haven't seen the sequel, but the first one is amazing, and I love the first movie. Uh, he's incredible in it. He's just an, an amazing uh, martial artist. But, man, like, he, I have to say, Chirits, um, his whole his whole thing is just, I don't know, his, I love his character. And, and like And we talked about, you know, could they make a film of him? I wish I almost it's a bummer they had. I don't want to say he wasted Donnie in on this character, but I think he was so good. I felt like he was great. And I think this, is this his first English like or American film that he did? That
0: I don't know. I don't I've seen Ip man, as well, but I don't know his cinematography like or his, uh, his you know, his, his. Yeah, I know what you mean. what's the word, his <laughs> you know, filmography, I don't know filmography. What movies- there we go. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yes. What <laughs> movies he has been in um, super well. I. It almost is like when they used Ray Park in Phantom Menace, who was not, he doesn't have the same type of career behind him, but he's also a good martial artist. And he got that first scene where you sort of just get a, like a tease of the lightsaber fight and then the big fight at the end. So he was really only used twice
1: as well. Right. It's, but I think what what makes them so awesome is the fact that they're just the little they have, they make an impact, you know, and like yeah. and you just want more. And I, I, you know, we have some other characters to talk about here in a minute, Um, but I have to say that of all Rogue One's characters, I could like read most, you know, extra stories on all these characters. I would love like a, a Tales of Rogue One about, you know, the, a little couple short stories about everyone in this series, to be honest. Bodhi Rook yeah. included. I would love something like that. Some kind of anthology book where it's just like, you know, different timelines of their lives and the stories in their lives of of what they do and how it ties into the galaxy. I mean, I would love something like that, especially with them. But them specifically, I would love to see comic series, a book series, you know, something with these guys because they are just such an intriguing, like, uh, their, their whole history is so intriguing. It's amazing. So, uh,
0: yep, and we've got that book coming out in May about them, but it's that's in May. And it's, I think, mostly a retelling of parts of the movie. Don't I don't know how much that. original stuff is going to be in it. I'm no. so sorry. We've still got Marvel hasn't announced what they're doing after, you know, after Darth Maul. No. So we'll see.
1: So, OK, well, so they have. we we have some we have uh, some more characters to get through. Let's get to some, some, of, these, some of these bad guys. Um there's we talk. I'm just so much, there's so much to talk about. Oh my gosh. Um let's talk about really fast. Um get this out of the way, Tarkin. Um I thought it was I, I did I kind of had an idea that he was gonna show up. Um I thought he looked amazing for what it was. I took it at face value. I loved it. You had to have Tarkin in this film. I felt it was appropriate. Um I love the fact that he's just him and Krennick were just going at it for control. Um I love the I love the, the the little screen time he was on, or he was on it more than I thought he was. I which I loved. Again, I thought it was awesome. He was perfect. So um I don't know. I love Tarkin, he worked for me. Uh, I I think this is bodes well for, you know, random cameos in the future. Uh what are your what's your take on Tarkin?
0: Well, because of how much Tarkin and Krennick were sort of butting heads in Catalyst, I was expecting this to be the, them them to be the big imperial characters. And I I thought that they were convincing. I didn't mind Tarkin's CGI at all. Even the, the Leia CGI didn't really bug me. Maybe it will on subsequent, subsequent viewings, but as you said with your insightful pun, I took it at face value.
1: Um, <laughs> that was not intentional, by the way. <laughs> no pun intended.
0: <laughs> I did find the Imperials... Just not all that interesting. I I loved Vader. I thought Vader was very scary, but like the dynamic between Krennic and Tarkin didn't really do much for me. Krennic himself, while I think he was acted very well, just not like wouldn't be on my list of favorite characters. So there's not like, honestly, there's not too much else that I have feelings about with Krennic. He was just kind of like, he was the big bad. And that's sort of all I feel about that.
1: I, I I think one of the, I, he worked for me as a character. Um, but I wonder, and I'm sure we'll cover this book catalyst with when we have Saf back. Um, but a little preview into what I thought, um, I thought Catalyst did a great job of setting up that whole that whole thing. And I got Krennic's character right away. And I love Krennic from Catalyst. And I felt he was just an extension of what he was in Catalyst. And I love that. I love that he was trying to manipulate his way to the top. One of the things I think that's so interesting about him is that this guy's a former engineer. And he worked his way up to the top. And he's trying to and he's trying to be a military military leader, and it's very interesting that like he views power in military and excuse me um instead of like you know engineering's a powerful weapon, which is what he's doing, he was viewing himself as like i' I'm, I'm good enough to be a leader and a commander of a military level, and that's what him and Tarkin are fighting over it's just kind of an interesting idea this guy who's an engineer wants to be like a military leader essentially, and he's fighting like one of the He's fighting a Grand Moth, like, the top official below the Emperor. And this guy's... Him and Vader are essentially even, and he's trying to vie for positioning there. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I love that, and I thought they did a great job of explaining that. I think a lot of, like, casual fans probably won't really get that, but they understand, like, Krennic's trying to control the Death Star, and that's all that matters, but... Having read Catalyst, I really love the dynamic between Tarkin and Krennick, and I like Krennick's character a lot because of Catalyst.
0: I do think that the book and the movie dovetailed really well. It's not that you have to read one to understand the other, but sort of in a way that hasn't really happened before because we simply haven't had the opportunity in the new canon the, the tone was very similar those scenes where Krennic talks to the Ursos in their home on Coruscant, it's not verbatim from the book, but the tone is exactly the same.
1: Right, no it's, I think that that to me would work for the character, and I th- and I think most people, with the exception of, of a few random people here and there, probably love Krennic way more Because he's an imperial officer... Uh, for those people who will not be named, um, but uh,
0: <laughs> are we are we talking about Jay?
1: Everybody, there's there's lots of empire, empire loyalist, and which is fine. I don't mind, but I love Krennic because he, he's awesome. But I, a lot of people liked him. I'm not sure if everyone who just casually coming into it will love Krennic, but I love Krennic, and I thought he was awesome. Um, you know, he was he was not necessarily like a super dynamic character. I thought, but. I thought he was it was still interesting, and I love like when you know Ben Mendelssohn chewed up scenery, like you know, like I'm going to use a football analogy for those who watch football. He's I, I viewed like his acting performance like a grinder, like uh, running back who does it like, gets like a good hard like 100 yards throughout the game. He didn't have like. You know, like twenty yard runs were just blowing people away, but like he just got the hard yards, a four yards carry. For those who know football, know what I'm talking about. That's what Ben Middleton's performance was—just chewing up scenery, just awesome, like doing his job. I love it. So, I thought he was a workhorse. He was definitely someone that really anchored that um, film together. I, I got—we got, we got to talk about Darth Vader. Um, yep. You know, the, the thing with Darth Vader, I'm going to go ahead and say is that uh, he was he was perfect. They did, a, in my opinion, a perfect job of not overusing him, but using him at like critical times. And I got to say, I stayed away from spoilers and when and it's, it was weird because, you know, they go to these different planets and, and this film we, really quickly too. I thought I actually liked the idea of putting for the standalone films only the, the planet names at the bottom of the screen, they kind of show you where they're going. I like that. I thought it was interesting. I don't want them to do it for the saga, the saga films. I want them to do it for only the standalone films, but it was interesting when credit goes and visits Darth Vader on Mustafar. Now when I first saw Mustafar, and that's been confirmed. Um,
0: yes. Yes, but, it has.
1: But when, I, when when that was happening, I saw a lava planet went, huh. And then the, you see Vader's castle, like the vintage Vader castle, like, you know, Ralph McQuarrie design. <laughs> yep. Empire. Oh, my Lord. I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And I just – I lost it. And it, 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 I thought it was very interesting that they didn't put Mustafar on there purposefully. And I, I, again, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say I heard this from somewhere else. I don't know where. If it was from another podcast or what. But they did it on purpose. So they didn't want to spoil them to, to see where – what was going to happen. But I knew. I mean, as soon as mm. I saw the castle, I was like, oh, my lord. I loved Vader's castle. Oh, my god. That was – that was a that was a mind trip, Megan. That was that was amazing. I
0: love that it went back to that original design of like the lava throne room, and it seems such a natural choice for you know the ultimate villain to have a lava throne room. But I did notice a friend actually pointed out that they don't have a planet title card for the planet where Jin grew up either. As oh, far is not the only one that doesn't have it. Yep. Oh, true,
1: true, true, true. No, um, but yeah, I I think it was you know that part was just so cool. I love, I love when the, when the, when the gate opens up and it's Vader comes out. Oh my God. And you know, it's the Royal guards guarding him while he's in the back to tank. I mean, it is so freaking cool. I mean, it is, it's, that is such fan service, but it's the best, 100% the (laughs) best fan service you could have. And obviously the end of the film with Darth Vader, where he's just, just destroying people. It's incredible. Um, it's perfect. It is. It, Man. It,
0: yeah. That scene, actually, now that I think about it, and I never really worded it this way, even to myself before, but that scene felt like fan art coming to life in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Like, not that it didn't feel like Star Wars. I think it did. But it the scene where he, you know, cuts through the rebels at the end <laughs> was like, this is what fans do. You know, if you want to write a really scary Vader, you just make him murder a bunch of people in a comic book or something (laughs) and this felt like a comic book or something in a in the best possible way vader's tricky because his dialogue is so distinct and i think they had a real advantage in that james earl jones did a fantastic job and just hearing his voice again made it made it work in a way Mm -hmm. um i tend to Believe that more is less when it comes to Vader dialogue, yes. but yeah. I can't, I can't really critique it on like a sentence level because James Earl Jones is saying it, so I'm like, it's it's true, it's gospel. I can't change this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think you you nailed it. I think that I, I think that it did a great job of giving him the right words to say the amount to say it. I think James did a great job of emulating the voice best he can. I think that was the best post. Um, I thought he sounded better there than he did for Revenge of the Sith, honestly. Uh, and it's probably because it was written a little bit better, I'll be quite honest. I mean, I love Revenge of the Sith in that scene, but I feel like this he sounded more like Vader than he did. But, of course, that makes sense in Episode 3 because he just literally just started – he was just Anakin like a second ago.
0: Yeah, so, well, it sounded like it had less distortion on it, and I don't know if it did. I don't know if that's technically true. You but might be right. It, it sounded more – Natural, which is an odd thing to say for Vader. But.
1: Right? No, no. He, he was, he was. In, I felt like he was perfect, and the ending of that film was incredible. Um. So, gosh, so much to talk. About. I mean, seriously, I could talk about this movie forever. Uh, we got, we got a couple of things we to, we to, we have to get to. Um, so, uh, it, it, uh, the first thing I want to talk about for, you know, we have to talk about, and I'll let you have yours uh, as well. Or I'll let you go first. What's something we haven't talked about that you really want to bring up? Uh, maybe what I want to talk about. Um, what is there anything in particular you want to bring up? Oh, gosh.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the actual sort of war footage-inspired scenes toward the end in that whole battle at Scarif. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about how it works for the characters, but in the terms of the vehicles and the choreography, I thought that the dogfights were really good. Um, I would have liked the camera to sort of linger on them more. Like, as soon as I saw something cool, it was cutting away. Mm. Um, But I love seeing X-Wings again. I have a bit of a pet peeve that they parked the camera behind the R2 unit more often than Come on, girl. In, in the cockpit. Come on. It's such it's so nitpicky. But I wanna feel like I'm in the X Wing, not like I'm hanging off the back for some strange reason.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> I loved the um the shield, and the, when the X-Wing smashed against the shield, oh, I was just so like, good. this is the coolest thing. It's it's
1: horrible, but it's cool. You know, th- it's funny. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about, too, and So was the end of the, the third act of that movie. Um, Excellent. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and you can argue with me, but you'd be wrong, Megan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know if you will or not. You might not. I think the third act of this movie is the best third – act. could be the best third act of any Star Wars movie.
0: Like, yes, I, 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 I disagree. Uh, but go on. But
1: I, I like <laughs> I watched this third act, and I think it like was, I lo- and I love the lightsaber fight between Kylo Ren and Rey. I think this trumps it like one thousand percent. Like, and I love that scene, those those fight scenes. But, the, but the, the 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 dog fight or the the quote unquote space fight in the Force Awakens doesn't even hold a candle to this. This is incredible. Yeah, This um,
0: was. Rogue One's space fight was more entertaining to me than Force Awakens space fight, but I have a, I might have a different reason for that than you.
1: I don't okay. know. Go ahead. Well, I, I and the reason I, th- I think it's one of the best third acts is because the there's a, there's so much intensity going on. There's there is a sense of danger. There's a sense or a sense of like that no one's making it out, and or they could or they you don't know. Um, when the fleet shows up, it's just incredible. The, like I, lo- I love everything they do in that, in, in the third act. I mean, I really can't think of a bad thing. Um, you know, I just I just love it, and I think that the, all the Easter eggs with the ghost from Rebels, uh, the gold leader and there's red so leader. Much oh stuff. my yes! I mean, there's so much cool stuff. The Y wings. Oh Lord, the Y wings. <laughs> the beautiful Y wings. Uh, but oh, they're just just kicking ass, and I'm loving it. The hammerhead Corvettes.
0: Oh, the those were awesome. Oh. So I like so glad when the the. Proving hammerheads from Knights of the Old Republic were actually
1: useful. Yes, like they. I, I mean, I mean, the, the fact they actually gave them a purposeful use was just so. I mean, it made yeah, that scene was great. You can't. This to me was such a perfect third act. I mean, I. I just want all I want to do is to stop recording and go watch it right now. Like, that's that's <laughs> how much. I Oh, my gosh. I just can't stop thinking about it. And seeing the ghosts in the background was really cool Easter egg. I would have liked to even see him, like, shoot some TIE fighters down a little bit. Um, I didn't notice him doing that. Maybe they did. I mean, maybe someone who's seen it like eight times already will tell me I'm wrong, which is fine. I don't mind being wrong. Um, so but no, I, I thought this third act was incredible from the space battle to the ground battle with the ATATs, I mean, there's just, it was intense, man. I mean, like, it, it was funny because I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Tim Gerassi from Soga, the Saga Continues podcast. And, you know, he was like, I, he wanted like a war film, like a literal, like two, like, like Attack of the Clones, like war film, right? Like where, the clone army takes on the Separatist army. It's just like two armies just coming together and it's just mayhem. But I said, you know, you really can't do that with the rebels because the rebels are small in number. They don't have a lot. So they could just send, you can't just have them send their whole ground troops and defeat the empire. That's not the rebels game. You know, they don't have the numbers game. So it would make sense that they'd send a small, a small little battalion and like sabotage and no, there's no way out. And, um, I I love that. I love the real, like, small, like, you know, being overrun. Like, oh, it was just so good. I loved it.
0: We we definitely got less of that like pure war footage style than we could have, but I think for exactly that reason the, the rebels can't be portrayed as having armies because then a new hope doesn't really make much sense. I, I thought the scale of the AT eighties was done really well. There's that scene where the they start walking through the forests and the rebels just run. I think Baze and Sherrod are in that scene. And you just see the legs through the trees and sort of realize how big these things are. Um, for a Gareth Edwards movie, it had astonishingly few monsters, but the at kind of served that role. And I really liked that. I, I had So the problem that I had with this that I also had with TFA was that Star Wars has always been very good at intertwining stories together. So in Phantom Menace, you have Anakin in the starship and the Jedi having the fight in the reactor in Return of the Jedi you have Luke in the in the throne room and Lando in the battle um, I like when you have those two perspectives because then you have one person in each part that you can get attached to and in TFA you had most of the crew was on the ground Poe was in the air but I, I still think that the, most of the perspective was on the ground and that weakened the space battle for me in in Rogue One, almost all your team was on the ground, and you got like the Mon Cal. Admiral Raddus was oh, cool. So good. It, I love the white Mon Cal, and how you oh. kind of saw from their perspective. Um, I love that you saw what happened to Red Five. Uh, that so that <laughs> and Ankin in the back to tank were the two things that like just blew my mind because they came out of nowhere, and I yeah. loved them. Yeah. Um, But I did feel that it was a little sterile because we didn't get to know those people. And the one thing is we did finally get female pilots. There was, like, a 15-minute span in which there were female rebels and then no other time. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we had a little more distinct characters in, like, um, he had a name, the commander that was on the beach that, like, Bodhi was talking to. Yeah. I didn't get a good sense of him and even making him, making him mm. an alien or making him a lady would have distinguished him a little bit. Mm. So I felt mm. that I wasn't quite attached to those characters as much, but purely on how it was shot, it was really good. I just feel like the recent movies, and that sounds like a huge, broad statement. I, I, I hate doing like this trilogy essentialism. I like all of the trilogies equally, but are all of the, you know saga things we've got so far but i think putting balancing two perspectives at the end a little bit better would have strengthened that space battle
1: oh, man we can't disagree more i i thought it was perfect i thought they did a great job of balancing everything um and again, like and I can understand, like the representation of that, like you know, Jim was the only woman on the ground. It's was, was kind of weird. I mean, there was a couple of women pilots, but like that was it. I mean, you're right. Like if they would have had more down there fighting with them, it's be a little bit more, make more sense. You know, I, so I, I can get behind that. I, I, but I, at the same time, I thought it was perfect. I, I loved everything I got. Um, I thought the the action scenes, uh, the the, cinema, the cinematography, I felt for this film was very very good. I, I went away thinking I, I thought the Force Awakens had some had some good cinema, cinematography. I felt this just felt I don't want to say grittier, it just felt more raw, like you're in the moment more, and it was just I don't know I loved I loved it. Um, I yeah, thought I, it was
0: less stylized, I
1: think. Yeah, in it, mm-hmm. in a good way. No, exactly. That's well said. Um, I think that the, the the war aspect is totally there still. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I just I, it's it's hard for me to even describe what I like because every. I think the third act is perfect. I mean, even like the overdrawn thing where Jen has to like move the satellite and it's like satellite <laughs> fixed. You know, I mean, I still like that. I mean. There's just so much good stuff in that third act. I just think it's oh, it's so good. Um, I
0: I joked at first that this would be a very different movie if the Empire just had Wi-Fi, but <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I don't really mind. All the analog struggles were were fine. They were needed for the story.
1: No, I thought you know I, I bought into it because you got to think about you know maybe it's protected easier like this. I mean, the fact they were able to grab it is it's it's. I think one of the things that makes me like this movie so much is that what it took to get it was, like, the right person, the right – like, it it took the right person to get it, which was the guy, you know, who personally sabotaged the Empire. It just would make sense because it's so heavily guarded. How would it – you know, how would they find all this out?
0: Star Wars has never been as high tech in its communication as it is in its spaceships. uh, Yeah. It's – very nice and nice and retro. I yeah.
1: would not complain about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I again, it's a movie. It's, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I don't really think too hard about that stuff. If you do, you're just going to hurt yourself. And, and I have done that many times trying to overthink things. So as I love to do, uh, but no, I think the third act was amazing. Um, you know, I, I think this is a, a good time to kind of wrap up our closing thoughts on it. Um, you know, I know you read the book or you're reading the book and you're a huge fan of the writer who's, who's, who's adapting this, this, this movie. Uh, do you have anything to say for the, the adapt, adaptation that you've read so far?
0: Yeah, so I'm about three-quarters of the way through and generally I'm really enjoying the novel. I had incredibly high hopes, like <laughs> basically unachievably high hopes. Um, it's not as stylized as Matt Stover. You're not going to get like second person, but it adds some scenes. It adds some amazing scenes right before the destruction of Jeddah City. There's several characters that are not in the movie that it shows that from their perspective and that's really good. So basically Basically, if you liked the movie, it's uh, definitely a solid novelization. So if you want to learn more about the characters or just enjoy reading that kind of thing, it's definitely worthwhile.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big adaptation guy. I bought the Star Wars uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens comic books and uh, was very disappointed. It was not very good. Art wasn't very good. Sorry. Um, and uh, I love the covers, though. The covers were awesome. Um, those are worth it, I guess, in that regard. Um, yeah. I've not read them, so I can also only vouch for the covers. Well, <laughs> I will say you're not missing much. You watch the movie, and it's all you need. Um, yeah, you know, w- before, I for- before I forget, my closing thoughts um, is uh, obviously Galen Urso uh, Matt Mickelson uh, was was great for the limited time he was on. His hologram performance was so good. Um, the Matt to kind of get the work from, um, you know, Felicity Jones' performance. In that scene, uh, and I'd be remiss to not mention Saw Gerrera, um, you know, Forrest Whitaker's character. He's not on it very long, but God, he's awesome. God, I, it, it's I just I want more stories about Saw Gerrera. I know we're going to get uh, Rebels episodes coming up soon. And then the second yes. half where Saw Gerrera is going to be uh, featured, which is ama- and he's voiced by Forrest Whitaker. How freaking cool is that? Um, yeah, going to be awesome. Yeah. So, you know. I I personally think that that's really freaking cool. Um, I think he's a great character. I wish he was in it more. Um, his his pre- I love his his rebels the two tubes. Oh my lord, they are so oh, oh. I was so glad that the two tubes were actually characters. They oh. weren't just
0: like people in the background. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they were really cool. They
1: were a, they were some of the best alien designs in Star Wars in years. I'm talking. From the prequels to the to TFA, it's like it reminded me of Javis Palace, Return of the Jedi, like you know, from you know, a really good, solid design work. Where I feel like TFA was like, let's try to be like, let's try to make a bunch of random, cool looking aliens. Where I feel like they wanted to make like just some badasses, and they did, and they just look great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. For all I know, they could have been designed for The Force Awakens, and they used them in there. So I don't know, but. I mean I I thought they were great. I would love to see I want action figures of them. I will hunt. I mean I've been buying action figures like crazy, but I mean I will I will hunt. I will kill for those those guys. Um hopefully they'll be in a two pack, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I would think so. Yeah, I
0: actually I don't think you're being um over dramatic when you say that they're the best aliens since return of the Jedi. I think I'd agree actually.
1: Yeah, they they, are, they look they just look like Star Wars characters, man. Um but yeah, Sagara his whole crew, Forrest Whitaker's limited, limited performance was fantastic. I it was funny. My wife and I keep going saying this to each other. We keep going, Borgu, Borgu. Like we keep saying it to each <laughs> that, other. I was gonna ask you about that. Well, <laughs> did you think the Borgullet was weird? Um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was very Star Wars. A lot of people it took him out of it. Um, my wife thought it was very cute. Um, so I, I I liked it. I mean, it felt very. The saw's whole like hideout was in his palace, if you will, just seemed Star Wars to me, like it just came across like Star Wars. Um, because it felt like he was in a castle, it felt in, in the Borg Gullet felt like you know, like the dragon in his castle. Um, so I just it's funny because like this this is probably arguably the more sci fi of of all Star Wars films because of like it being less of a fairy tale, more of a heart, you know, more aimed at like you could say it sci-fi, but it came across as fantasy so much to me too because of those things. So um mm-hmm. I love that. So uh I love the Borgullet. Um I thought it was cool looking. I thought it was a good it just felt very Star Wars to me and I just loved I love Forrest Whitaker's voice. It's like it oh, Takes your bite It's just oh my god, it was so good. I just love his character. I love Sagaria, man. And Hearing him on Rebels is gonna be really interesting. Oh, I can't wait. I, I love the fact I mean I'm sure they're they're paying him handsomely to do Rebels, but you gotta think that he must have had fun enough to where he was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Like if he was like super snobby, he'd be like, oh, I don't time for these children's shows. You know, he <laughs> the fact he wanted to do um the Rebels is really freaking cool in my opinion, and and I know Forrest Whitaker's never going to listen to this, but Forrest Whitaker, thank you, you're awesome. So I hope he listens to this. If he did, we have nothing
0: but compliments.
1: Oh my lord! If he did, I'd be like, "Uh, "You're you're awesome, Uh, I I love you." Uh, (laughs) So uh, yeah. So anyway, um, it sounds like you know you probably don't like grading movies either. I'm assuming if you don't like ranking movies. Uh, no,
0: I mean I wouldn't mind grading this. Okay. I don't think it to me, and this is entirely personal, I have trouble ranking it compared to the saga films because it's so different. But right. I'm okay with giving it like a letter grade. I'd give it a B, probably.
1: <laughs> uh I think it's pretty obvious what I'd be giving this. It's a A minus. No, I'm kidding. Uh A plus, A plus, A plus. <laughs> um, I I don't know i I have to live with a film to really get an idea of where it's gonna go. Um and right now, it's you know I, I don't want. It. I've only seen it three times. Compared, to I've seen the Force Awakens. I mean, it's I saw the Force Awakens like seven times in the theater. Um, I saw and I saw it like after it came out on video or instant, you know, it's whatever it was if you want to call it, instant release or on online. Uh, I watched I watched it almost every every week for you know, off and on like halfway through and really got to got to know the movie intimately essentially because I kept like just dissecting everything and and really decide and kind of came to the realization of things that I loved about it things that I didn't like about it the same thing's gonna happen with rogue one I don't know' I'm do yet it's gonna be higher though than i than than i than i than than i, than I, I thought I was gonna be and I'm just I just can't wait to just devour this film more and more and more to be honest um I'm gonna give us yeah a plus I thought it was amazing uh so yeah i i I want spinoffs from for books and comics and video games. And I mean, I kind of think they 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 totally missed an opportunity for a great video game. And I'm I'm not the video game person. I I need to be asking you this. But I feel this movie, you could have made an adaptation for this video for for a video game with this movie. Like it would have been it would have been awesome. Thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Battlefront expansion with these characters is very much a Uh, a game of this movie kind of i
1: i play battlefront all the time i'm probably one of the only like hundreds of people that actually do um Yeah, you're the
0: expert on that here yeah
1: right but i'll say this i would love to be like going to Jeddah, like walking around like you know doing side missions or uh as jen um, or going to uh, Edo um, and going to like try to snipe Galen or fighting stormtroopers like you know like something fun like that like I would uh, or like be in cheer fighting stormtroopers in the streets of Jeddah or something like that I mean it'd be so amazing I mean I, I missed opportunity I think I know b- movie adaptation games aren't exactly the rage anymore um, but I think this could have been a really fun thing to do or do some side story kind of thing so um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm of the. I wish it could have been a video game with this movie because I love it. But uh, the expansion is fun. I love being. I'm for, gonna
0: repeat time. what I said on Twitter, which is that this movie was a little short on characterization, but all the places where it was short on characterization are perfect for expansion, whether that's a video game or a novel or a, before the awakening style collection or for fan fiction, it gave it the perfect like opening for more stories. And that's an accomplishment of its own.
1: Right. Right. Well, I, th- you know, thanks. You know, I think that this is a good way to kind of wrap it up here. Uh, You know, Megan, I'm so glad we got to do this. It sucks we didn't have SAF. We'll get SAF next time. Um, You know, there's lots of Star Wars to talk about. We will be back soon. Uh, Megan, where can people find you uh, on the interwebs and to talk to you and read your amazing work?
0: So most of my work can be found at Den of Geek. I have written for Star Wars Insider, for StarWars.com. And uh, do Western Reaches for Tashi Station. Trying to think of all the things that I've done. All the things can also be found at my Twitter. I'm at blog full of words on Twitter and Blog Full of Words on Facebook. So if you go there, I usually
1: post anything
0: that I do would end up
1: there eventually. Right. Um, that's awesome. And I am Paul. <laughs> you will find me on Twitter at Hurtmoon22 with two Ns. A.K.A. P Thug. Um, you can also find me on my uh, Marvel podcast, Marvel Newscast. Um, that's on Twitter. We just broke down the Spider-Man trailer uh, and the Guardians of the Galaxy trailers. Um, I'm a big, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Oh, equal to Star Wars, my um, love Spider-Man. So, um, I'm very passionate about my feelings of Spider-Man. Check it out there. Um, and I do reviews for Rebels on Star Wars Newsnet, um, where I'm, you know, kind of breaking down, trying to be fun about it, you know, and just try to you know just hang out and just with rebels and i think the season's been solid i think it's been better than last season so uh yeah check me out on there and uh saf i know she you can find her on twitter wanderlustin um check her out on there on twitter i'm sure if you haven't already you'll, you'll see her and she's amazing and all her great work on western reaches with smith megan here and i know she's on a, on a bunch of other podcasts guest spots guest spotting and hanging out. So definitely go follow her on Twitter and you'll get all that stuff on there. So, uh, and thank you, Denny Geek, for broadcasting this podcast and helping us out with that. Um, You're awesome. Um, So, yeah. So for Seth and... For Megan. We bid you farewell. (laughs) See you guys next time.
0: Bye, guys.